This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Today, we are starting, I love being able to do this, the first one. We're starting a new series called Exodus. So say Exodus. Say Exodus. I just want to hear who's saying it the right way. and not, I don't know what's the right way, but I say Exodus. Somebody just said Exodus. Say it one more time. Say Exodus. It's you. It's, she's looking at me like this. Exodus. Okay. So we're starting a series today called Exodus. Exodus. Uh, and so before we jump into that, this is... This is uh, uh, the start of that, it's a three-week series, uh, so I'm teeing it up for us today, and um, let me just give you a disclaimer, uh, not that you need many of those from me, but um, I'm going to give you a disclaimer, that wasn't a joke, um, today we're covering Exodus chapters 1 through 12, so I'm going to be uh, giving you a lot of summarization, if that's a word, if not, don't correct me, Exodus, okay, and um, so just stick with me if you do want to um, read more into this stuff yourself, then again, we are going through Exodus 1 through 12, so feel free to peek into that and read it for yourself. It's super good stuff. So today, I wanted to make sure that we started off on the most upbeat week out of the three, the most uplifting, encouraging topic that I could give you from the book of Exodus. So today we're talking about suffering. <laughs> talking about suffering. But we're talking about deliverance as well. So today we're talking about suffering and deliverance. So uh, as it pertains to suffering, I'm sure that if you've been on this earth long enough, like me, you've suffered to some extent, right? You don't have to raise your hand, but just track with me here. Suffering is one of those things. I think there's many things that characterizes, like, the human experience, right? Like, while you're on this earth, you're going to experience certain things. And suffering, whether we like it or not, is one of those things, right? And you may experience it in different forms. You may, it may have a different-looking face for you than it does for me or a different name for you than it does for me. But if you're on this earth long enough, you will experience some sort of suffering, right? This could look like you getting sick, right? It could look like a loved one you have getting sick or losing that loved one, right? Right now, my mom is, uh, I just got off the phone with my mom yesterday, <laughs> and my mom is, uh, she just had to take a leave of absence from work because my aunt has like three types of cancers going on. And it's one of those things where it's really, it's, it's, it's weird. My mom's like, coming home every day expecting my aunt to not be with us anymore. But it's just one of those things where, what do you, you know, what do you do in that moment? Like, that's, that's suffering. And I'm talking to my mom, and my mom's laughing, and she's talking to Olivia on FaceTime, and she's just like, ah, ah yeah, that's great. I miss you guys. And then she walks away from my aunt, and I was like, so how you doing, Mom? How you doing with all this? That's all I said. How you doing? And she was like, <laughs> and just started sobbing. And I was like, I don't know how I could have asked a different question that's just, hey, how are you? <laughs> and so, uh, it's not funny, but, you know. So, uh, so I'm talking to her, and it's just one of the most 
hard things to navigate through. Maybe you've been in a situation like that. Maybe you're currently in a situation like that. Maybe for you, it looks like having a broken heart. Can I get an amen? Anybody? Any young single folks in here that don't really want to be single? (laughs) He said, shut up. Okay, so maybe it's like having a broken heart, right? Maybe it's just constantly being put in the friend zone. And uh, maybe... Maybe suffering for you is having a crazy am- amount of student loans you got to pay back. Okay, the, hey, there's a, he said, hey, hey, that's, that's another church way of saying amen. Hey, okay. So maybe it looks different for you, but nonetheless, we've all experienced a time of suffering. And maybe some of you in here today are currently going through a time of suffering. So here's what marks what suffering could do or could mean for you, how you go through it, how you handle it. And, and generally speaking, I feel like there's three loose categories that you could fit into in dealing with your suffering, right? So uh, number one, I would call like the, uh, it, it'd be like the, the undying optimist, Right, Carmen's mom spoke, or Carmen, not Carmen's mom, Carmen spoke about her mom uh, and how she uh, went through like some crazy health issues, went through two or three situations of her heart failing. We thought we were going to lose her. She gets back with it, ultimately had to have her leg amputated in a wheelchair, on crutches, doing all these things, going through that time. But nonetheless, going through that time, her mom never left the position of God is good all the time, and I'm great, and I'm blessed, and I'm, right, and the undying optimist, right, it's good, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, amen, right, then that's how a lot of church people act here, but not here, number two, I think you can be the undying fatalist, right, the, the, the chicken little of the situation where you're walking around and you're like, yo, I stubbed my toe. God, you're going to have to take my foot off. Why is this door always here in this spot? Why did I get this house? This house, man, I got the roof problems. Now I'm stubbing my toes on the door. I had, like, you find problems with everything. Not you. I don't know. You know, maybe you, I don't know. But if it's you, take it, right? The undying fatalist. Everything's always wrong, always, never going to get better. God is good, but he's not looking at what I'm going through, right? Two. Three, you can be the doubting Thomas. And I think most of us fit into this category when we go through situations of suffering or struggle. I know this is me, right? So you start going through this tough situation and you're praying. But in your mind, you're formulating what God's response to you is going to be. In your mind, you start coming up with all the different ways that God could answer your prayers if he was you. So God, I'm praying, and God, I put it all in your hands. That's what, that's, I don't know about you, that's what I say. God, I give it all to you. I just lay it at the cross. Mm. And in my mind, I'm like, but I need this to happen by Tuesday. <laughs> and, and I know this, I know I got a couple of friends that got some dough, and so they could just hand me a check, though. So speak to their heart, Lord. Mm. <laughs> Amen. Right? And, and then it doesn't happen. So follow, follow me. Then it doesn't happen like that. And we start going, they say God is good, but I mean, I don't know. Theoretically, he's good. Right? So then you try another prayer and we pray again and we're like, God, you know my need, Lord, sovereign God, you know I need. <sighs> I feel your spirit right now as I'm thinking of this. 
God, I just really, and you start coming up with another roadmap for God to lead you to your deliverance, right? And then God doesn't do it that way, or he doesn't do it when you think it's going to happen in your little time frame, and then the doubt comes even harder against you. Now you're like, yo, I've been praying about, I prayed two or three times already, and I'm not seeing no kind of progress. I'm not seeing, and we start doubting more and more and more, and before we know it, when we put these expectations on God when it comes to our suffering, we end up hurting ourselves and we end up doubting and questioning the very person and character of who we know God to be because of how he handles or doesn't handle or when he handles or doesn't handle our suffering. You guys follow me? So today, how does that pertain to Exodus? Exodus today... We're going to start it off. So very beginning of Exodus, like I said, they waste no time. We're talking about suffering. You open up uh, Exodus, and the first, very first segment of the book, it is titled Israel's Oppression to Egypt. Yes. What am I going to read today? I, need just, I just need a word from Israel's slavery. <laughs> Not reading that. I need a proverb or something that's like, God is good all the time. I'm the deer panting out the water for whatever. I don't know. Right? I need something more uplifting. This thing starts off with Israel's oppression while in Egypt. And the book jumps right into what is going on in Egypt. So let me just kind of give you a, a, a quick synopsis, okay? So you guys stay with me here, all right? So this book follows a group of people called the Israelites. They're the Hebrew people, okay? In Genesis... God has a, has a little, a little powwow with my man Abraham, tells Abraham he's going to make his descendants like the stars in the sky, right? 400 years later, God honors that promise, right? He didn't have to be patient or anything. God honors that promise, and he turns his descendants into an entire nation of Israel. So now Israel, we find them back in Egypt, but not on good terms. Israel's back in Egypt under the tyranny of Pharaoh. And Egypt. They're slaves forced to work in the land of Egypt. Now, it wasn't just like a like, man, just go to work. I don't want to hear none of that, man. Go home and make dinner and don't say nothing. It was like this. Pharaoh had every intention of wringing the Hebrew people dry of any resource and any labor that they could offer the empire of Egypt that he was building. And so forced labor, right, uh, uh, making women servants, doing all these different things. It was the worst situation known for a people group. He even took it, uh, he, he meant to ultimately, like while they were alive, he was going to use them, but he ultimately wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth. And we see this because he does two things right at the beginning of the book. Number one, he goes to the Hebrew midwives to help the Hebrew women deliver their babies, and he gives them an order. He says, listen, if a lady delivers and you're standing right there, as soon as the baby comes out, if it's a girl, all right, we're cool with that. If it's a guy, kill it like this. Just poof, do away with it immediately course you ain't gonna tell a hebrew to kill a hebrew they're like all right cool we got you fam go hide this baby somewhere really good okay like we're not killing your babies so he realizes wait a minute we still have baby boys waddling around here right he goes okay okay i'm gonna i'm gonna up the ante a little bit i'm gonna send all of my men to find all the little hebrew boys that are running around that the midwives didn't kill and i'm gonna demand that they throw them into the nile river 
to be eaten, to drown, to be gone. So we can't carry on this line of Israelites anymore. So enter into the story, my main man, Moses. Y'all ever heard of Moses? I'm not talking about Moses Malone. I'm not talking about Post Malone. Okay. Moses. So Moses is actually literally born into this persecution, into this situation. Moses' mom takes him to the river like she's going to throw him in. And instead of leaving him to drown or be eaten by a wild animal, she puts him in a basket, sends him up river. And we read that Moses floats on down the river. And he crosses paths with Pharaoh's daughter. How wild, right? Pharaoh's daughter is in the water. And she's out there with a servant girl. He was like helping her, handing her loofahs, you know, giving her bath bombs. <laughs> and here comes Moses floating on by, and the servant girl picks Moses up out of the water, shows Pharaoh's daughter, and they can't bring themselves to do away with Moses. So they ultimately adopt Moses into the Pharaoh's household. Isn't that wild? So here comes Moses, all these other babies getting tossed out, right, d- done away with. And Moses is spared, but not only spared, and hit, he's not hidden, he's, not, he's spared, and he's brought into the Pharaoh's household. Wow. So Moses grows up in the household. Stay with me. We're moving. We're moving. So Moses grows up in the household, right? But as he's growing, he knows he's Hebrew, right? So he's, he's going through this personal conflict of knowing how he's raised and who he's raised by, but then also seeing what's happening to the Hebrew people outside of, of his, his daily existence. And one day, this takes a dramatic turn for him. He goes out. He's walking around, right? He's probably trying to holler at some ladies. That's how I picture it. He's a young man, I think. I don't know. Right? And he's walking around. And instead of seeing one of them ladies, like, carrying the pots on, them head, on their heads, oh, ooh, ooh. Instead, <laughs> that's how they walk in the mo- Instead of seeing that, guess what he sees? He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And Moses is like, like it just clicked, like the Hebrew like pride just built up in him. And he was like, no, baby. And he hauled off on the Egyptian and it ends up killing him. Hides his body. Soprano style. Yeah, man, he just shouldn't have put his hands on my man over here. We're going to do away with him. Nobody's <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, man, we're good, we're good. The Hebrews ain't going to tell on me I got their back. Next day, he's walking around, sees two Hebrews, you know, battle rapping each other or something. They're having a conflict. Yo, and Moses is like, hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Calm it down, guys. And here's, I mean, they roasted him. High school lunch line roasted him. One of them stops and goes, ah, what you going to do? You going to kill one of us like you killed that Egyptian the other day? And Moses said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I got to go. <laughs> right? And he runs off. And now he realizes that word has spread and got back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh found out that Moses killed an Egyptian, and he puts a price on Moses' head. He put a stack on his head, that street slang for saying, go kill Moses. So Moses finds out there's a death threat against him, and he flees to the land of Midian, okay? So you guys track with me? Just say yes. 
Even if you're not, just say yes, we'll get there. So he runs off to the land of Midian. I want to pause right here and read you what's going on simultaneously. Go ahead and throw up my first verse. It says this in Exodus 2, 23 through 25. So that current Pharaoh, in the midst of all this time, he actually dies. But while this is going on and Egypt's going through a transition of leadership and Moses runs out to Midian, here's what is going on with the Israelites. It says, the Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor, slavery. And they cried out and their cry for help because of the difficult labor ascended to God. That's pretty. And God heard, listen, here's what I want you to hold on to, okay? So grab this out the air and put it in your pocket because we're going to come back to this. It says, God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant, right? God saw the Israelites. And here's how the verse ends. And God knew. God heard. God remembered God saw, God knew. It doesn't say God acted, God did, God moved, God said, God whatever, right? And so if you're in the middle of this situation and you're an Israelite and you're crying out to God, you don't, none of this stuff is returnable to you. None of this stuff is something you can, you can observe God doing or you know God is doing. And so you're just sitting there crying out, crying out, and it says God sees you, God hears you, God knows, and God remembers his promises, but none of it is like God, God affirmed in them. God reassured them that deliverance was coming. God, God spoke to them and said that, oh, you know, you're, I'm about to send down all kinds of stuff on this man. You're about to get out. God didn't do anything in this moment to reassure them that deliverance was coming. So if you're in that situation, how easy would it be for you and me in the middle of our suffering to chalk it up to something like this? God, where are you at? God, you ain't going to do anything. You're not answering my prayers here. 400 years, guys, 400 years. We have generations of Israelites that are dying in captivity. In this time, imagine how many faithful Hebrews began doubting and losing faith and questioning God. Because they cried out and cried out and cried out. And they could have just said, God's not listening anymore. The story doesn't stop there. Check this out. Same time, Moses flees to the land of Midian. Okay, so everybody put your little backpack on. Keep hiking with me here. He flees to the land of Midian, gets taken in by a family who, like, you know, they have sheep and they're herding sheep, whatever. And so Moses is out tending to the sheep one day in the land of Midian, and Moses is walking on by those nice leather, leather sandals, you know, or what? BC Birkenstocks. You know, I picture him kind of rapping to himself. Who got the sheep, man? We got the sheep. We got the tribe that can't be beat. You know, he's walking around. I, did, I just made that up too, so. He's walking around. And he looks up and he sees a bush. Green, healthy, living, living, like not just living like photosynthetic, like living. Because it's on fire, a blaze, roaring fire coming out of it, but it is not falling apart or dying. And he's like, that's different. 
So what we see next is, and again, if you want to read into this, it's in there, 1 through 12. He goes over and he begins having a conversation with God himself. And in the scripture, right at the end of chapter 2 is when Israel's crying out with no response from God. God saw, God heard, God remembered, God knew. But there's no response from God right away. Very beginning of the next chapter, Moses speaks to God at the burning bush. And God ultimately tells Moses that he has a plan to redeem his people. He has a plan to rescue them out of the hands of Egypt. And that Moses and his brother Aaron are going to be the ones that help push this thing forward. So let me sidetrack you real quick. In the middle of suffering, when Israel had no foreseeable end or relief, God was simultaneous. He didn't answer them, but he was simultaneously working behind the scenes. Can you follow me? He's simultaneously working behind the scenes to produce a favorable outcome for his people, even though he didn't have to affirm with them that it was happening. He was still working. You guys with me? So we move on. So now it gets kind of cool. From here on through chapters 4 through 11, we see God engaging Pharaoh in a real live showdown. Like, pew, pew, whoop, whoop, like Matrix. I'm not going to do it because my shirt comes out. You see my belly button. But <laughs> real life Matrix stuff where they're just dueling, right? And, and Moses and Aaron end up being the representatives for God for this negotiation that's going on to free the Hebrew people. And so they go to him, and they're like, hey, man, listen, this is what God says. Let us go out to the wilderness to worship the true God because we don't worship your gods because they're boo-boo. But we worship this God, and God's going to be peaceable about it if you just let it lie. Right? And Moses is, or Pharaoh's like, hmm, no. Okay, get out. Right? And then they come back. They're like, God, this didn't work. What you want us to do? And God's like, hmm, turn your staff into a snake. That would scare him. Right? And then they turn their staff into to a snake, and Pharaoh's like, I got magic too. Turns the snap into a snake. Dang it, that didn't work. God, what do we do? And they're going through this whole process of negotiation with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's pretty much the most hard-headed dude ever. And so Pharaoh's like, oh, you got a God that could just do whatever he wants? Not convinced. Get out. And so after opportunity, after opportunity, after opportunity for Pharaoh to bow to God's terms of peace, and release, it's another one, peace and release, of, uh, of Israel, it ultimately comes, to, ultimately comes to a head with a showdown of showdowns. You can read about this too. We see a number of signs and miracles performed at the hands of Moses and Aaron, but then ultimately outside of that, where Moses and Aaron are bringing warning after warning after warning after warning to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is just turning a deaf ear to the warnings. Ultimately, catastrophic things happen that cause Pharaoh to tap out, like Conor McGregor, sorry, taps out. Fine, get out. I don't need y'all anymore. I'll have my own people build some bricks for me. I don't care. Take them and get out. So they take them. They start heading out of town. They're like, yo, he ain't playing. Let's go. Get up. Get up. Get up. Before he changes his mind because he changes his mind a lot. Let's go. Get up. Get up. Get up. Right? And they're all moving out of town. Pharaoh puts up another couple fights, but ultimately God says, boom, this is it. Parts the sea. And in a cinematic, epic display and show of power, the Israelites are able to flee and leave captivity of Egypt into freedom. 
And that's where they'll pick up next week. That's where my story from here stops. But I want to tie some things together for you because here's the thing. Just because this is in Exodus and there was pharaohs walking around and plagues happening like that and all those different things going on and people are still still herding sheep as a lifestyle. I mean, no offense to anybody that does that. (laughs) We got some chickens. But people were doing this as a lifestyle. Things may have changed drastically from civilization to civilization, but one thing hasn't changed is this. Suffering is still very real. Some of you know that better than others. Some of you will come to find that out. Suffering is real. And if we're not careful, how we experience our, experience our suffering could have a big impact on how our faith works itself out in the years to come. Our natural lean as people is to go through suffering, and when we don't see results that we think we should see, we doubt, we question, we wonder, we start searching for our own remedies. We start, and you'll see that with the Israelites as time goes on. They start trying to make their own solutions to things because they don't really like this whole waiting on God's timing kind of thing. And here's the thing. We can read that and we can go, they are dumb, right? Or we can look at it and go, the truth is I kind of do that too. How many of us on a day-to-day, week-to-week, monthly basis go through these things? I'm guilty of it. I'm preaching to myself. But we go through these things and when God doesn't act Fast enough, right? He doesn't expedite our suffering and get to the good part where we're walking in deliverance, right? And we're just over here just cash money, right? And we're not doing all these things. We just start to go, all right, cool. Okay, well, I already prayed about it, so God can, he can do what he wants with that. Maybe he'll come through. But while he's working on his thing, I'm going to get to work on my thing, right? God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. I'm going to get busy. I'm going to get to work over here. Here's what you're saying. You ready? God didn't deliver me from my suffering the way I thought he should when I thought he should. So I'm going to do what God can't do. I'm going to deliver myself. You know what you're ultimately saying by that? Your actions, actions speak louder than words. Your actions there are talking for you. You know what that says? You are not in a situation where you have full trust in God's ability to work out your situation, I'm not condemning anybody. I do it too. Last month, I did, I did it all month. Hard month for us. And I did it all month. God, didn't see a prayer or didn't see an answer right away. Let's try this again. Maybe I'm not praying the right thing. God, blah, 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 blah. Not seeing anything happen. And, and, I started going, okay, maybe I can do this and move this around, and I can shift some things, and I could call some people, and I could shake some things loose, and I could, I could make this work for, I could, I could make this work for us, right? But then it turned out, and this happens to me all the time, when I start getting my hands dirty trying to do the things that I've already asked God to do, but didn't wait for God to do them, they don't ever really pan out, or they pan out, but they're temporarily. And so I still have to wait for God to come back around and bring an actual real solution to it, and I'm just turning, spinning my wheels, exhausted myself, burning myself out, making myself bitter when God goes, hey, I, listen to me, I hear you. I see you. 
You think I forgot my promises to you? You think I forgot the promises I made you? Nobody twisted my arm into promising good for you. Nobody twisted my arm when I said that I will work all things to your good. Nobody twisted my arm into this. The only thing I ask you to do is trust me because when you're over here crying out, I don't have to answer you when you tell me to. I don't have to answer you how you tell me to. I don't have to answer you. But I will and I do because I see you and I love you. And you got to know that I have the best intentions for you. Nobody knows what you need like I do. But nobody knows how to work out all these things that need to happen for the right solution, the permanent solution to work out. So ultimately we see by the end of this book that there's one of the mightiest rulers known to man. One of the mightiest dynasties, empires known to the history of the world. Egypt was leagues ahead of the people of their time. Power, riches, workforce, albeit enslaved workforce, but workforce. And we see such intense suffering for hundreds, listen, hundreds of years. A whole nation of people hanging in a balance, waiting for deliverance. And God's going, listen. It's got to play out a certain way. Listen, you don't get this, but this has got to play out a certain way. What if, what if God answered the prayers of the Hebrews the way that they wanted them answered and got them a quick deliverance, but Egypt never fell? Egypt was never dismantled. So Egypt lives to ride another day and enslave more people. Woo! What if Egypt never had the reckoning, the, the moment of interaction and acknowledging who God is so much to where they just totally, what if all that never happened? You see, like sometimes when we want our way of God handling our situation, God knows he can't handle it that way because it doesn't bring the best scenario. It doesn't work out on every angle that only he sees that we don't. We see it this way. We see it right here. But God knows, God knows what needs to happen. God knows how everything needs to work out exactly to bring the best resolve, the best peace, the best outcome, not just for you, but everybody involved in that. Every angle that could play into that, God is weaving all of those together. And he says this, it's not always easy. Other parts of the Bible, God talks about using that suffering to purify us. Using that suffering to build our reliance on him all the more. You don't always see it. You don't always feel it. You don't always hear God speaking or affirming things to you. But can I 
tell you something about God's character that I'm super happy about? God's action in your situation doesn't have anything to do with what you think or what you feel or what you know or don't know or what you pray. It, I mean, your, your prayers matter, but it does, it's not, his action is not contingent on your ability to comprehend what he's doing. You could think he can't do it all day long. He can still do it. You could think he's not going to do it, and he's still going to do it. His action in your situation is not contingent on your feelings towards the situation. God is over that. God has power over that. God has solution over that. God has peace over that. God has a remedy over that. God has foresight over that. God has insight into that. You may not feel like it's coming to an end. You may not see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not seeable for you, for you. But that doesn't mean that God's not already standing at the end of the tunnel going, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I already worked this out. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Just keep keep walking towards me. It's going to feel dark. You're going to be fumbling around. You're going to be suffering still until you get to this point. But I'm standing at this point already in your deliverance, going, come on, come on, come on, come on. I've already worked it out. Just get here. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Keep following. Keep listening for my voice. Keep the faith. Keep moving forward because I will get you there. And here's how you know. Because I promised I would get you there. There's deliverance for your suffering. God, today, I pray. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.